live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Broncos show blitz. The handoff is to Jacobs. First through the 10. Cuts a field five. Drive forward. He's in. Touchdown, Josh Jacobs. Touchdown, Raiders. Cars under center. Hands it off to Jacobs. First through the middle. Cuts back at the five. Carries a defender. Touchdown, Raiders. Jacobs, and he might have just sealed Las Vegas' first win of the year. As the clock strikes zero, and it's a Vegas victory. Josh McDaniels, for the first time as head coach of the Silver and Black, gets a win. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Monday Night Football on the way. San Fran and the Rams. Twin Peaks is the spot. Got the big beers under four bucks. Shot specials, $4 shots, about 15 different shots for four bucks. And then select appetizers, two, four, and six dollars. And the full menu is awesome as well. Willie Ramirez is the company today. He just got the steak salad, so he's, uh, he's chowing down. He's here with us. What's up, Willie? What's happening? A lot. I'm glad to come in on a winning Monday for the Raiders. I was saying it multiple times to uh, friends I was hanging out with. I'm like, uh, it is no fun to do radio for a team that really sucks. So, as long as Raiders have some life here, crawl back into this thing, this will be fun. I don't want to freaking cover or talk about a team that's going to win three or four games. Never thought that was going to be the case, but after the start, we're all getting a little bit worried. But a lot of things that had failed the Raiders in the first couple of games, they were a lot better at yesterday. We've got UNLV football to get to later this hour. Got some college football, some more NFL picks. Leans and likes from JVT, a loaded show. Raiders legend on the way. Broncos legend on the way. Filled up. Filled up to the gills. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So that was cool yesterday to see the Raiders convert when it counted the most, make big plays, also make heady plays. I thought Derek Carr played well at times and you know made the plays of a winning quarterback. We'll hit that in the 4 o'clock hour. But I, th- I think for a lot of people, the biggest thing that came out of the game is that the O-line looked better in terms of run blocking. And looky here, all season long, you know, Josh Jacobs has been good but not really used a whole lot, and I never really understood it because it wasn't like any of the previous games, Willie. You know, they were down by 17, 21. you got to abandon the run. They just seemed a little too pass-happy. And listen, that's a way to move the ball as well. But this O-line really opened some holes, and I thought Jacobs looked explosive. He was a massive key yesterday going for 144 on 28 carries. It was effective, catching the ball out of the backfield, touchdowns. It was a good day for Josh Jacobs, which meant it was a good day for the Raiders. Career high for Josh Jacobs, and I think when you follow your game, you know, I I went to the Denver Broncos locker room after uh, press conference afterwards, and they kept using the word schedule. We could stay on schedule, and I think that's what Josh McDaniels did with his play calling in terms of consistency and going with what worked. We were seeing Josh Jacobs be productive over the course of the first three games in different pockets, but then McDaniel strayed from it. Now, I'm not going to put it all on that decision and why they lost, but you saw what happened when you stick to a specific schedule and you stay on point. You mentioned the offensive line. Four players. Bars, Parham, Miller, and James, all 75 snap counts 
100% of the of the offensive plays, which is a good sign. Four of the five guys were out there the entire time. So did it take four games for everything to come together? Uh, I think that I think that it probably could have come together a couple of games ago, but McDaniels has to be pleased with what he did. I thought that there was one specific play call the entire game. Looked over at Paul Gutierrez. I said, that, that, was, that was a fantastic play call. Might have been the best play call of the entire game. It was a run. Had nothing to do with Josh Jacobs. I felt it was a fantastic play call to Zamir White. Uh, Paul and I just, got, just sat there and was like, wow, that was, I mean, that was perfect. Perfect timing, and the rookie stepped up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the rushing game paced things and allowed certain pass plays to take place. And you see what happens. Let's play that Zamir White run now, if we can, Ari. On the Broncos, 29, 2.53 to go. Snap, pitch to Zamir White, racing left side. First down, 25-20, upfield 15, inside the 10. Finally brought down at the seven-yard line, but he didn't just pick up the first down. The rookies got the Raiders inside the 10. Yeah, massive play, really good play call. Let's go earlier in the game to Jacob's first TD run. Collins and Waller off to the left. Broncos show blitz. The handoff is to Jacobs. First through the 10. Cuts up field five. Drives forward. He's in. Touchdown, Josh Jacobs. Touchdown, Raiders. He bullied his way through the end zone on an 11-yard carry. And the Raiders take a 9-7 lead with 11.46 in the half. Now, let's say Jacobs' runs were timely. I saw an interesting number. And they were throughout the game. Interesting number that... The Raiders are 8-1 and one when Jacobs gets 25 or more carries. doesn't happen often. I mean, let's also put it into context. If generally when you get 25 carries, you're rolling in the game. You're probably running clock. So I don't recommend running Josh Jacobs 28 times a game. But yesterday, it worked. It was needed. And they called a lot of good plays, and the execution was excellent. Here's Josh Jacobs with his second TD run. 2-11 to go before that. Four seconds on the play clock. Cars under center, hands it off to Jacobs, first through the middle, cuts back at the five, carries the defender, touchdown Raiders! Jacobs tosses it into the stands, and he might have just sealed Las Vegas' first win of the year. The Al going crazy, and then one more Jacobs highlight. This is going to be massive. What the Raiders did down the stretch, and White was part of it with that play, and then you hear the touchdown. The other thing they did, and winning teams do this, and you see these situations come up in, you know, probably five of the games each week, minimum. When you have a lead and it's a two-score game or a one-score game, you have to get first downs. You have to be able to, no matter how you get it. Generally, you, you probably need to run it because you don't want to risk the interception. You want to keep the clock rolling. You have to get first downs to close out the freaking game. You know, we watch the Chargers struggle with it all the time. What the Chargers do yesterday? They got them, right? They got them at Texas or at Houston. The Texans got close. And to win in this division, there's going to be a lot of close games. you got to close it out during the stretch. This was Jacobs finishing off the win. Snap. Jacobs through the left side. Tries again. Keeps his feet. He gets the first. Yeah. Oh, he's awfully close. They're going to mark it to the left of the 20. He needed to be 
This is a first down. This is a first down. Yeah, they gave it to him. This is a first down. Lincoln Kennedy, this is a first down. This is a first down. And you hear, like, the quiet applause, but those are massive moments, Willie, when you can freaking grind it out and get rid of the freaking clock. Yeah, and they, I mean, this is this their efficiency yesterday with the entire. I mean, in reality, other than, I mean, punt coverage was a little eh, sketchy, but for the most part, their efficiency on offense, I mean, 25 first downs, 14 by rush. Um, and I have your number for you to confirm yes. When Jacobs rushes for 25 or more, absolutely 8 and 1. The one loss was an overtime loss in 2020 to the Chargers. And. It was, it was uh, in Vegas. Ironically, two of, only two of those games were on the road. So the other seven were he rushed for 25 or more. And, yes, the Raiders won uh, eight of those. So uh, here's the thing with Josh Jacobs is at this point, you, we've seen what he can do the first four games, right? And, and, like I said, pockets of the first three and then yesterday, just an annihilation of Denver's run defense. But at some point, I think you have to now establish some of the other guys, not just in spot plays, not just, you know, catching catching the, the, the opposition off guard. I think you have to, at some point, establish a guy like Zamir White with specific plays and bring in your other running backs. And we've been saying this, right? Every week we've been sitting here. At Twin Peaks, the day after going, why did they keep five guys, six guys, and they're only, you know, one or three attempts here or there? They, they ran that Devontae Adams little reverse or end around, whatever, you know, a little sneak play yesterday again. You, you, you kept all these running backs because what you don't want to do is burn Josh Jacobs out either. So um, it's important. It, yesterday was very important on a number of levels in terms of getting Josh Jacobs and establishing that – what he's capable of doing with numerous carries, and also that you have a capable guy like Zamir White. You have other guys as well. Um, with Hunter Renfro down, he's, he's, he's on your return unit. Um, looks like Amir Abdullah is back there now. So, I mean, but you got to find your, your multiple guys. And we saw eye formations yesterday a couple times, uh, multiple backs. But to get everybody involved, when I say everybody, I'm talking Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, um, Mac Hollins, and when Hunter Renfro comes back, the running game's got to work. It just can't be a pass, as you call it, a pass-happy offense. I think it was more so that, okay, we got the, you know, like last week, we got the rushing game going, okay, now let's hit them with the passing game. No, it's got to be a nice blend for all 60 minutes. Cofield and Company, Monday Night Football on the way here, live at Twin Peaks and Henderson on Eastern. On the way back, we'll get to the defensive side of the ball. A lot more to break down with the coaching and Derek Carr. But Max Crosby has had a good season, but yesterday punctuated uh, several drives with sacks. Get over to Twin Peaks in Henderson for Monday Night Football. Awesome food and drink specials. Plus, Cofield and Company's Willie Ramirez will have plenty of great prizes you can win. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. I forget what game it was, but like, man, you keep doing that, bro. That's special. I'm just so proud of him because he works extremely hard and he has a great smile on his face every day. I think it was a career high for him also, which is huge. You know, if teams want to play, help on Devontae and things like that, then that running game will only help. You know, in our offensive line, give them credit for opening those holes and the fullbacks, tight ends. But some of the cuts Josh made was special. 
Now, back to Coalfield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Derek Carr talking about Josh Jacobs and his 144 on the ground, a couple of touchdowns, key runs down the stretch to wind down the clock, and the Raiders are finally on the board with a win. They take out division rival Denver Broncos, keep the Broncos from going 3-1. and one. I'm not going to say destiny's in their own hands. It's week five coming up. So, But an upset on the road against Kansas City obviously plays very well into the favor of the Raiders' fortunes this year, and they need to make up some games. They need to gain some some ground here after going 0-3 in close games, and especially that Cardinal game where they blew a a 20 to nothing lead. What was the atmosphere like yesterday at the L? It was very energetic on both sides. Um, it's funny because I was talking to the manager here at Twin Peaks about it, and he was saying that when he was driving home from here, it was around the second half, and up the 15, you see the bridge. What do you guys call it? The Haas? And it was just mass orange. What I was explaining to him is, is like people were freaking out and they were tweeting out, and that, you know, I saw some Charger fans that we're friends with, you know, saying, well, it looks like there's a lot of Bronco fans. Where's all the Raiders? Oh, 0 oh, 3. They're not. No. The difference is, is that when it's all Raiders fans and they're all wearing black or silver and black, you see the pigmentation of people's heads, so you see their faces, right? That's what stands out in the crowd. Yesterday, the bright orange jerseys, shirts, sweatshirts, whatever, so bright, so the people wearing Raider black, they looked like the seats in the stadium. That's what I, that's what I st- that stood out to me was you look out there and you see all this orange and the black splotches in between. Their faces didn't blend in because the people behind them wearing orange. Like it just kind of bl- everything blended into the orange and the black stood out and they looked like seats. So it looked like it was a pro Denver crowd, but. The cool thing was the number of Bronco fans that are here in Las Vegas, the proximity to Denver, people that came in, the energy was so loud on both sides. When Denver did something, the 55-yard pass from Russell Wilson, I mean, everything, it was energetic. The entire That's what made the atmosphere so great is the energy was great on both sides. Now, you could say all you want with all the orange, but the energy when the Raiders did something, it was a lot louder and a lot greater than the Denver energy. Josh Jacobs agreed with your explanation of why there were so many orange jerseys and why they popped. Yeah, but the thing is this. I tell people this all the time. When you're in an all-black stadium, any other color, it don't matter what color it is, it's going to look like it pop out. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not too much worried about it. I know, I know what, our, what our fans do. Uh, I mean, wherever we go, I know they support it, and, and the love has always been there from, from the nation for sure. That's the first – now, I, I kid you not. You sent this, and you sent um, somebody's tweet about that, their, their video. I just said earlier, I was in the Bronco, because I covered the losing team yesterday. Josh Dubow was in. I was in Denver's press conference. It's the first time I had heard that, so I didn't realize that he said that. Oh, wow. I thought, yeah. you, I thought you were just echoing him. Here's Max Crosby asked the same question by the RJ. There was a lot of orange. I didn't like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, that gave me a little extra motivation. I know the guys got fired up about it, so. Um, you know, you got to give credit to them. They got great fans as well. Um, but it's always it's always fun playing Denver. I love it. I think they both handled that really well. I think getting at Vegas would be a mistake. Um, and I saw, you know, the, the thread or the threads on that, the fact that there were a lot of Bronco fans there. 
gave a lot of good explanations, and they weren't. I don't think they were excuses, but a lot of it was about the price of the tickets, mm-hmm. who bought the tickets. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Denver proximity. Frankly, we knew this was going to be the case. That a lot of games, the crowd might be 60-40, 70-30. That's just the way it's going to be. But, again, I say I don't know if it was the, if that was a percentage. It looked like it. But there was a lot of Raiders fans in there where the loads were in black. They, they looked like seats. And here's the thing. It's kind of what you want. I mean, you, 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 you want to see the rivalries bring their crowd and then your home team. Right. Stand, do and you heard what Max said, and it gets them fired up. You know, I saw a lot of people say, "Oh, there's Max Crosby. There's the Max Crosby we know. Max Crosby's been doing Max Crosby things all season. He's got what four of the of the team's five sacks. So I mean, he just got home, as they call it. But with everything that he did yesterday, it was. I mean, everybody was on fire for, to to get the first win, but to have the first um, AFC rival in the house. Right, because their their other the other home game was against Arizona, so there were a lot of things to motivate this team yesterday, and Max played out of his mind. I had filmed a video off the jumbotron and put it on my Instagram story. There was a play he wasn't even involved, but he was coming so fast to close in, and he dove, literally, dove over and rolled like dove over the pile because because if he would have landed on it, it would have been a late hit. Right. And I just put uh, Mad Max uh, diving deep or something like that on my Instagram. Now, Crosby's been good all year. He's third amongst edge defenders in the entire league. So he's with some of the best guys out there. He's had a very solid season, and finally he got you know the finishing moments. Yeah, I thought the defense played okay, came up with some big plays when they needed to. It wasn't a great defensive performance, and there were moments where guys were flying you know op- wide open across the field, so they still have a lot to work on on defense, but when they needed to make stops, they got the stops. I thought the secondary played exceptional. Okay. I thought Max, I thought the, 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 the rushing, you know, the, the edge rushing, the pass rushing was decent, you know, led by Max, but I thought more than anything, I thought the secondary was outstanding. I thought Nate Hobbs played fantastic early on. I, thought, I think Nate Hobbs has been playing some great football. Um, and I thought that Amik Robertson made up for the one play. Now, granted, there were some big plays that Denver came up with, but for the most part, I guess when I say secondary, I should say Nate Hobbs and Amik Robertson because I thought that those two played outstanding. Um, there was the late play that set up Russell Wilson's uh, three-yard plunge, and that's what got them within one score late in the game, but... I think overall you could say that this might have been their best 60-minute performance on both sides of the ball. You surprised that Robertson could hold his own? No. That's a good thing for the team no. moving forward. No, not even. No. And, and you know, you know, you, you know who I thought of watching after uh, Jerry Judy did the little too-short sign, right, uh, gesturing, and then Amik mate came up with play after play after play, like two, three plays before he did the fumble recovery. You know who I thought of because he's – his diminutive, his diminutive size out there, but the big plays, our own, our boy, Mighty Mouse, Mark McMillan, grilling Mark McMillan. I mean, we I saw him the other night at the UNLV game, and we were, we, you know, so yeah, I, I wasn't shocked at all with what he was able to do, um, and I don't think it was fueled by Jerry Judy at all. I think I think it fired him up. But, I mean, Amik Robertson, we've, we've been talking about him the past few weeks. 
you know, in spot plays here and there. So I, I think that they, uh, they all played inspired football. They played. I don't think it was like. I hate the word, you know, the de- they were des- they played desperately for their win. I just think that they finally put together, as I said, 60 minutes of football. They played to their best potential, and we saw execution on both sides of the ball. The one area, if we were to give grades out, the one area I felt that sort of fell off just didn't look good. I mean, I think at one point through the first three punts, Denver's averaging 22 uh, yards per return was their punt coverage. Matt Collins ran down and did the one, uh, had the one where he batted the ball back out into, and they downed it in the uh, between the one yard line and the goal line. But for the most part, the punt coverage in terms of tackling a guy was crappy. But as far as all facets of the game, sixty minutes of offense and defense, Daniel Carlson doesn't need to be missing extra points. I can tell yeah. you that much. But. Um, no, so no surprise to answer to get back to your after getting long winded on that on Amik Robertson. So now, what's the deal with Perriman? That's a tough one. I mean, you know, Steve, I, it's troublesome for me that every week now, not just the Raiders, just it's concussion protocol is just such a hot topic, and I just hope that everybody, you know. All these players are treated properly and, and that, you know, their their competitiveness in terms of like, hey, I want to play. No, 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 I feel fine. Or even if you clear concussion protocol, that maybe you should, you know, you're, you're a, you, you know UFC better than I do. Did I hear right, I think on a morning show, uh, on the um, on the national show earlier this morning, when UFC, when a UFC guy, an MMA, are they out, they, they, they are out three months? Uh, I think a knockout, they might be six. But, yeah, a lot of times they're out minimum of three months. But, they got to clear. But, but they they got to clear. Yeah, for I, I don't know if they actually go and, and call it a concussion. I think four knockouts. You're supposed to be sidelined for six months. And here, and here, we're talking. We're, I mean, or at some point, I'm sure we're going to be talking about could Tua. Be you could be back four the days. Next, the next, yeah. Four. You know what? Let's uh, let's take a break and let's get the update on Tua. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Big one, Niners-Rams. Interesting season so far for the Niners with all the quarterback issues, injuries, and now Jimmy G in there. This is a great spot to watch football, Twin Peaks, on Eastern, in Henderson, uh, every day, $4 shot specials. The good stuff, Willie, like uh, Fireball, you get Dana White's, Howler Head, Goldschlager. That's a blast from the past. Sure. Uh, also Saturday and Sunday during college and NFL viewing, $5 micheladas. Very nice, very nice. Get on down here, get your seat. Place has been packed. Good crowd showing up each week, and then Willie will have a ton of prizes, including uh, grand prizes. What? Scorpions and White Snake. All right. All right. That's a good one. Also, more Eddie Vedder tickets coming up at the end of this week, Friday show, Eddie Vedder. At Park MGM. All right, it was a very busy weekend of news around that Tua concussion, as it turns out. First of all, one of the neurologists was thrown under the bus by the NFL. Independent neurologist fired. We found out about that on Saturday. And then we – and that was going back a couple of games, you know, to the uh, the – the initial, you know, buckling of the knees and looking like he was all groggy and kind of screwed up against the Bills. So he's officially been ruled out. 
for the Jets game this week. So while I don't want to pat the amateur neurologist on the back, it did look fishy last or two Sundays ago. And now we find out the two was not going to play. So, And now it's become a gigantic story. Massive story around the National Football League because I think everyone wants to err on the side of, of caution, Willie. And every time someone goes out, you just mentioned Perriman before the break, like let's make sure they're good to go. And it seems like the Raiders have been very careful. Now, again, there's all different degrees of a head injury, of head trauma. You know, Andre James, they took their time. Renfro, they're taking their time. I don't know what's going to happen with Perriman, but now there is a spotlight on every game in the NFL. As there should be, like I said. Um, you know, you hit the word neurological, you don't. Um, it's, it doesn't just need to center around the brain and concussions. I mean, you know, once they – and I've said this – after Saturday, after that Sunday game where we saw him wobble, needed his teammate to catch him and help him, and um, so apparently he didn't have a concussion, right? Reportedly, allegedly, he did not. He cleared concussion, did not have one. Nevertheless, what else would make him wobble? The back, the neck. Shouldn't we worry about maybe spinal fluid or 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 a herniated? Or I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. I don't know what would cause that. I'm not not a uh, a surgeon, but you know, something in the spine or in the neck. If that's the case, it's not a concussion, but the back of the neck was causing you to wobble on your feet, and you're the quarterback. Shouldn't there be a cause for concern of putting him back on the field four days later? Okay, it's not a concussion, but our guy was could not stand up. He was wobbly. So it, you know, I'm glad that when there's a concussion issue that they're they're doing the right thing in in being cautious certain teams and and that the whatever the concussion I I definitely think that this is going to be a, a hot, obviously a hot topic in the in the meetings, uh off-season meetings in in terms of how they have to approach this, and do they need to change the protocol? If if you are if it's ruled that you have a concussion, it's no longer clear concussion protocol. That once you clear it, it's okay. One game after that, mm-hmm. so you clear it on a Thursday, you're out that next game, and then it's the next game, just for safety, for precautionary, whatever it may be. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, but beyond that, I think you have to look when when. When a situation came up like with Tua, you, these entire organizations from top to bottom, owner to GM to coach to medical staff, they have to start taking in consideration these guys' health. And I don't care how competitive they are and say, no, 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 I feel fine. It's the same thing like with a boxer or an MMA guy, right? No, 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 I feel fine. Your corpsman knows when it's time, or the do- the ring doctor, whomever. It's okay. No, no, no. It's we're cutting you off, dude. I feel fine. No, that's great. It's good. Then, then that means we're on the right track. We're gonna wait one more game. We're gonna wait one more week. Whatever. We had another case last night. Cameron Brait head injury. First half. A few plays later, returns to the game. Halftime. Put in concussion protocol. Uh, protocol. So played two more. Came back in the game before the half. Goes to the break. Then at the break, they're like, ah, he's out. Protocol. He's in it now. Tony Dungy quoted as saying the system is uh, broken. Collinsworth flipping out, too. 
Again, I, I mean, I, I'm in agreement. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, c- hey, kudos to the Raiders. I mean, I guess, right, for our local listeners. I mean, look at, look at, this is the fourth one, right? Andre James, Hunter Renfro, Nate Hobbs, and now Denzel Perryman. I believe that's, those are the, that's who's been in concussion protocol for this team. Those four players. And now, and it's, it's a, it's a, I feel bad for Perryman, and I feel bad for that defense because let me tell you something. For as well as Max Crosby has been playing yep. and his presence, and Chandler Jones, everybody clamoring about, you know, where's his numbers on the stat sheet, and he's been his presence alone and what he's doing, you know, to 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 cause action maybe to go toward Max's way, whatever the case is. Perryman was on that field, and his presence is such a strong – he has such a strong voice in general. I mean, just going through training camp and hearing hearing different players talk about him and what it meant to have that a veteran presence like him on the field, and he was playing, wow, lights out uh, yesterday. You know, immediately he made his presence felt. I mean, when he went out of the game, and I think for a little bit, I think it was it wasn't when they announced. You hear it in the press box, right? Denzel Perryman announcement press box. Uh, you know, attention media. Denzel Perryman's being evaluated for a concussion. It was when he when they announced that he was out. When they finally announced that he was out. He had and you know what I'm looking at it now. When they announced that he was out, he was second in ta- he was still second in tackles to Divine Diablo. Final stats, he still finished second on the team in tackles yesterday. And everybody else played the whole game. D- uh, Divine Diablo finished with eight combined. Denzel Perryman, Jonathan Abram finished with five each. Max Crosby and um, uh, Trayvon Morag, four each. So his presence will be missed, and hopefully there's no rush to get him back. Now, there is an extra day, but the fact that he was ruled out with the concussion, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a coach, I'm not a certified athletic trainer, whatever it may be, but just reading all these things and writing and he should be missing one game. UNLV with a nice win on Friday night. They fell behind. They overcame adversity. They made defensive adjustments. We'll get into the Rebels' win to move to 4-1. and one. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Back to pass. Kendrick. Kendrick fires on the near side. And the pass intercepted. Intercepted by Cam Oliver. And he goes cruising in for a Rebel touchdown. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. That was a good way to close things out. Russ Langer on the call there. Cam Oliver, another pick six. Had one in the North Texas game. Close game, Willie. Rebels down 17-0 early. They outscore New Mexico. 31-3 the rest of the way. And I'm glad we played a defensive highlight coming back because it was the D, the O, you know, there's some good offensive moments. We'll talk about Brumfield here in a second, but it was the defense and adjustments yeah. that won them the game. Because I can tell you, down 17 nothing. and for folks that don't know, New Mexico runs a triple option. Well, they ran the triple option. I don't know what the total number of plays was in the first half, but they ran it a handful of times. They got nothing from it. But when they went away from it and they mixed it up, it really threw the UNLV defense off, and... You know, I like to, when I'm working the sidelines, I try to, you know, watch and listen to conversations. And 
the players were you know were given feedback, but it was like all over. It's it's amazing on the sidelines when you're trying to make adjustments and the coaches are trying to relay what the players are seeing on the field, then you know send it upstairs. But there was so much feedback coming back to uh, Boje, the defensive line coach. It was crazy. Like I I was like I'm having trouble processing it. It just it looked frenzied. I don't know that it was, but it was really interesting the communication process. And if you look at it, first game. They took their foot off the gas pedal. So there are adjustments in the second half against Idaho State. But the last four games, each second half, they were better than the first. They were better than the opposition. They made the right adjustments, and the execution was there. So that's been consistent, and it was needed against New Mexico because they were reeling early on. They were, and, and I, you know, I I kept going over it in my head trying to figure out why and what, what took place because of how well – they responded, and, and the way that they looked once they went down, it was it was an entirely different team. And it, it, it's not a matter of, like, scrambling to win. and like It was like just something clicked, and they just went back to playing, like, the team that we had been seeing playing. And I, and I wonder if maybe New Mexico came in looking to punch the bully in the mouth and UNLV was caught off guard. Maybe, if they, maybe they started buying into the hype of how well they've been playing, and that, that is what did it. I wasn't sure, but what I do know is in the press box, when I'm sitting there talking to Paul Gutierrez or Mike Grimaldi, and we're all talking, when they were down 17 up, there was not one person in the press box that was not confident. Like, think about it, Steve. Years past, it would have been, oh, same old Rebels. Done right, yeah. Same old Rebels, here we go. Yeah. Dude, everybody was like, I, I can't remember which one it was. Somebody goes, they're not only going to come back, they're going to come back and cover. And, and I just I did a double take. I was like, what? They were like, yeah. they're going to come back, and they're still going to cover the number. And we were well, that's, uh, I'll just jump in. Yeah. That's a perception thing. I'm not sure how much it matters. The, the important thing is down on the field. Well, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. Did you get a sense? No. Because in years past, the players would have that defeated attitude as well. Um, like, I, would, I would see a lot more um, shaky body language yeah. in the past. Not, not so much last year's team. Last year's team had a couple of bad games with one. They would bounce back pretty quickly, but it's a much – I just said it was chaotic. It was just the communication. There's so much communication coming at the coaches trying to figure out what was going on. Now, they I, – I didn't see anyone panicking yeah. on, on either side of the ball. And, you know, a lot of it on offense, this goes for the NFL, right? Name the top six or seven quarterbacks in the NFL, and why are they top six, six or seven from a perception standpoint? Because when they're down – they don't panic. Or they get the ball, you know, last possession, chance to win the game. You know there's guys you're like, he's probably going to get it done. And that filters to the, the uh, teammates. They're mm-hmm. confident. Yep. And, you know, when there's a lack of confidence, then that starts to seep into the sideline. And right now everyone is sky high from a, a confidence standpoint in Doug Brumfield, it's, it's the quarterback. Doug Brumfield's play is resonating on both sides of the ball because it's the defense is thinking, let's get the ball back in Dougie B's hand, right? Let's get it back in Brumfield's hand. Let's get it back in Doug's hand. It's 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 so remarkable to see the confidence. And we talked about this when the schedule came out, the day that it came out. You and I, I, I believe it was a weekday. We did the show and we went game by game. It said seven wins. You had them going to a bowl game. We talked about the success. We talked about how this team – how it closed out last season, even in the close losses, but it was more than playing with themselves and pride. They were playing for Marcus Arroyo. They were playing for themselves. They 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 never gave up. They never had a defeatist attitude. And we're seeing that confidence come through on the field. I was highly impressed. 
before the game, I, I had said, boy, I, I was waiting for I had called a pick six earlier, and, and Gutierrez was laughing at me when, when the final one came over it because it sent it over the total. But I, was, I had called it. There's going to be a pick six in the game. But I was really excited to see. I thought Adam Plant, I was watching him. If you heard my question in the postgame press conference, like I was just watching him during warm-ups in the end zone. Local hero, right? Just, I mean, his 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 leadership abilities and his his mindset. You could just tell he was coming out fired up. I was really happy to see him because he's a good kid. We had him on this. Remember before we the did, season, yeah. we did. He worked hard in the off season. He's grown up a lot. He's bigger now than he ever was. And with Elijah Shelton, the transfer from Utah and Utah State, developing a lot, and he had a really good game. Um, now they've got two guys on the outside and a pretty good rotation there if they need it. With Eliel Ahimere, who is 13th in the country amongst about 550 interior defenders. He's 13th in the country by pro football focus. That that front is really developing, and now you got a back end that's you know leading the country in interceptions. So, the you know, it, it builds on itself. And then the other thing is, second in the country in interceptions, the other thing is Brumfield's making good decisions. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's always getting down and avoiding hits the way he needs to, but when, when he needs to get yardage, escape the pocket like Derek Carr did, he does it. And I know you were asking, where does Brumfield rank in the, the Mountain and Pacific time zones as a quarterback? Now, I don't I don't believe he's better than Caleb Williams from USC because I think that guy's outstanding. But by the numbers, yeah. uh, in the West, well, and overall, he's number nine in the country by PFF. And in the West, he's got guys ahead of him like Caleb Williams, who is you know, undoubtedly a top you know, three-round pick in the NFL draft. Jaden Delora from Arizona is number 65. Uh, there was one other guy in the uh, the top 75 from the Pac-12. Oh, Cam Rising. And then – Now, if I may, let me yeah. let me cut you off real quick. You're looking at PFF grades? Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the NC2A website. Right. Okay, pass efficiency. Just, just right okay. to – okay? I'm looking at pass efficiency. Now, I'm going to just go down the list real quick here, I, and, and, and I'm going to rapid-fire the schools, and then we'll hit the West Coast. So from top to bottom, okay – uh, TCU, Ohio State, I'm not going to name the guys. You know who they are if you know them. Coastal Carolina, North Carolina, Michigan, Tennessee, Kansas, Syracuse, Kentucky, Wake Forest, Alabama. The first one on the West Coast, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA, yeah. Gormy Kid. Then Minnesota, James Madison, Oklahoma, Florida State, East Carolina, App State, Okie State, Duke, Washington, Michael Penix Jr., Western Kentucky, Utah, Cam Rising. Okay, Keep going down, Jaron Hall, BYU, who will be playing uh, at Allegiant this weekend. You keep going. There's uh, the next one up on the wall. Oh, no, Bo Nix, but then Doug Brumfield. He's a, 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 I don't think that I passed Caleb Williams. He, oh, no, I did. I'm sorry. He's 25th. But Doug Brumfield is 38th in the country in pass efficiency, right. but he's sitting here in the top 10 on the West Coast among right. big uh, Pac-12 and in, an independent in BYU. That's not too shabby. Right. And the reason Brumfield's so high with PFF uh, it also grades, you know, wide receiver performance. You know, obviously it grades offensive line performance, and the O line's getting better on the edges. Actually, two of their top five guys by PFF in Week Five were actually their their tackles. Um, but yeah, in the Mountain West Conference, believe it or not, the highest rated Mountain West quarterback beyond Doug Brumfield by PFF is the Air Force quarterback, Azeek Daniels. Can't wait for this it, matchup. It's, it's been it's been a crazy year for quarterbacks because Hainer's awesome at Fresno, but he's out. And then a lot of the other guys, I mean, two OCs have been fired. 
six. It's week six coming up. <laughs> San Diego State and Boise both dumped their OCs, and they were having a lot of quarterback issues. One of them, Bachmeyer, who's thought to be you know the second or third best quarterback in the league, he's already in the transfer portal. To your to your point about Air Force and UNLV, the two quarterbacks. Don't forget to get down here to Twin Peaks because I got tickets to give away to that game. Just All a right. little teaser. We'll have a, bu- <laughs> we'll have a bunch of tickets to that game over the next 10 days. Um, no, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? I am tuning out everybody's noise about, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I don't want to hear your crap because for the last 20 years, minus Bobby Houck's trip to the bowl game, the idle game here there, Tony Sanchez's five-win season, it, there's always been an excuse, yeah, but. Yeah, but oh, but they beat an FCS, or or they can't, they can't, they why can't they blow out an FCS? It's always something. Now you have a legitimate team that's playing well, kicking the crap out of teams, showing poise down seventeen nothing, never losing their cool, and winning by double digits. But you're, but there's still those out there. There, yeah, but no, yeah, buts. Can I give you a yeah, but? Sure, yeah. First but. of all, you you rewrote history there. I actually had them going five and seven. I didn't have them making a bowl game. Oh, you did. So they've yeah they've exceeded my expectations in terms of a start. This was the meat of the schedule. Mm. Now I didn't think San Jose would be real good this year. I don't know if they're real good. Their win at Wyoming is impressive. Uh, they're still laying five and a half now. I think it went down to four. Now it's up to five and a half. San Jose State, uh, State a favorite mm-hmm. on Friday. This stretch right here, mm. right? Because we don't know about Fresno's quarterback health. So we well let's wait on that one. San Jose. Air Force, Notre Dame. Hmm. Would you be in, would you be impressed with two out of three? Sure, right. That would be monstrous. Yeah. Do you remember what my most pivotal game of the season was for them? Because you brought it up a couple of times before the, after after we had that initial talk, I had said the game. No matter what their record was, whether it was zero and two, one and one, or two and zero, the most pivotal game on UNLV's schedule was North Texas and how they came out of that game. Right. And we see how they're playing. So now, now as it stands, and I still think North Texas was. I'm not changing my tune, but what I'm saying is now this game this week, uh, this Friday, is so important because you come out of that game with the win and the momentum and the mindset for Air Force is huge. And then imagine going to Notre Dame, already bowl eligible, 6-1, and one, with what we've seen. Now, I'm not <laughs> – don't give me that it can look. Happen. Don't give me that look. Hey, it can but happen. hey, anything can happen. Yeah. Connecticut just beat Fresno State. Yeah. Okay. They're playing well enough that they can they can do it. I don't expect it, but hey, give you they give can it, do it. They come out. They, they hey, you just asked me two out of three would would that be fine? Yeah. If they if they win the next two games and they come out of Notre Dame a single digit loser, UNLV is going to win the West yeah. Division. I can uh, pretty much for every game they have the rest of the way. I can name your even if they're even if they're on their way to like some crazy record, crazy good record. I can name the motivation or a couple of motivating sure. points for every game. If San sure. Jose won, I don't know if Arroyo's going to build this up, but it is against his best buddy, Brent Brennan. Uh, two, so cool. Two, and he went to school there. Uh, although he he gave he gave a very impassioned speech about, hey, that's not what I'm thinking about. That does not matter to me. This is not personal. But his players I, will I, play for him. I will mention, and Arroyo wouldn't really answer it, but. San Jose is a dirty team at times. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, hits out of bounds, a lot of trash talking, as Caleb Herring called it uh, later after the game, a lot of nut rolls 
Oh. Have you heard me mention that before yes. where a player's down on the ground and then <laughs> Fajoko, no, no, Fajoko kind of swims across the guy and, you know, has, has his groin on his face for a couple of seconds. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that, like highly insulting, mm. you know, freaking giving him the kind of the, the subtle business. Mm-hmm. So they'll be fired up for that one. Three o'clock hours on the way.